Amen. Well, I've been talking about focus. And what does that mean? Fixed on Christ, unlimited supply. Can you say that with me? Fixed on Christ, unlimited supply. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And this is where we begin with the series. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, and I'll read in the Amplified. And this is the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus, but I believe it's for us as well. It says, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. I always, meaning this is a practice. The Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom in revelation of insight into the mysteries and the secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Now think about that, that you would, that God would give you, this is his prayer, that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation. We, we know from Proverbs 4, well, a lot, a lot of Proverbs, the first, first number of chapters, that, that wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom's the principal thing. You, 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 you say, you, you may not know uh, the direction you need to take, but when you get wisdom, wisdom's the principal thing. You, you may not know the next step to take, but when you get wisdom, then you, then you have, which is the principal thing, wisdom. So he says that the spirit of revel, give a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is when you have revelation, something's been revealed to you. If something's been revealed to you, now you can see something you couldn't see before. And that's what the Apostle Paul is praying, that, that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And what was it a spirit of wisdom and revelation in? In the knowledge, knowing him. Knowing him. Hallelujah. Knowing him. We can run to so many different things and try to seek understanding and wisdom and, and, and all those things. But bottom line is we really need to know him. We need to know him. Verse 18 says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance of the saints. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. And this is what the Apostle Paul's prayer is. And this is my prayer, Annette's prayer. We pray this over you. I pray it almost every day over you, over this church family, is that your eyes would be open. Now, our eyes can be open to so many things that are happening around us in the world. And we can be inundated by the world to where it changes perceptions, it changes how we live, it changes how we do things. And if you're not careful, then those perceptions of the world can totally lead you away from what God's perception is. One thing, we, a couple of things I need to settle this morning. Number, first thing, I need, you, you need to settle in your heart as you hear the word this morning. Number one, that God's word is truth. Amen. Now, I didn't say God's word is a truth. Old people say, oh, well, brother, that's, that's, you know, you're, you're talking about things and they'll say, oh, well, that's your truth. Well, wait, wait a minute. That there's, if it wouldn't be truth, if there was another truth, 
Because true, the very statement of truth is something that's absolute. And so I'm not going to d- debate or argue a whole lot of things, but I will stand for this word. And, and so, so we have to understand that his word is truth. It's not about my truth and your truth. It's about his truth. And the moment you try, start trying to explain away his truth, the moment you set yourself up to be deceived. And that's what the world, the universities and different things like that and different things that are constantly being pushed in certain things is to take people away from really God's truth and the way God established things and does things. And the second thing that we need to establish is one, the second thing is this, that we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Now, why am I bringing that up? It's important because, because so often we live, you see your soul, either your, your, your spirit will direct your life or your soul will direct your life and your soul or your spirit will, whoever you feed the most is what's going to direct your body. You see too often for a long time in my, in my walk with God is I was living out of order. I was feeding my soul and it was directing my body and way back here, my spirit somewhere is just saying, Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. But the thing is, is we have to feed our spirit. So our spirit affects our soul and it leads our body. I won't go too deep this morning, but, but this, this is very important where we're going because too often we constantly live out as believers. We live out of here instead of living out of here. Society, the world, everything is based on, on, on being led by your soul. Well, I just feel this way or I just, I, I, I just think this or I, I just, you know, I, you know what? I just don't feel good today or, you know, but yesterday I felt good today. I don't feel good. And, and all these things are, are constantly directing the decisions that we make in our life. Well, I just don't believe that way or I just don't see it that way. I just, and the thing is, is what is your soul? It's your mind. It's your will and your emotions. And so we constantly are allowing the natural mind or our will and our emotions to direct us instead of our reborn spirit. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. And here you have a, you have a reborn spirit on the inside of you, but yet you'll still let your mind, will, and emotions direct you every day of your life. But that's not what way we're meant to live as believers. We're meant to live from the inside out, not the outside in. And the constantly the world is trying to shape and mold how we think, what we're to think, what's this, who we're supposed to hate, who we're supposed to be mad at, what, what things are going on, what's, what's good, what's not good. All these things are trying to shape us instead of the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I do have an assignment this morning. So hallelujah. Let's go, um, let's go to, for sake of time, let's, let's go to Ephesians 3. I had some other review we could do from the last couple of weeks, but I'm just going to get into it. Ephesians 3, verse 14. 
It says, for this cause, I bow my knee under the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, this is Paul. Paul's, this is another one of Paul's prayers. He says that he would grant you, that he would give you according to the riches of his glory. I mean, the, according to the riches of his glory. Riches represent a value. Riches represent a, a, a quantity. It represents abundance, meaning God, that Paul's praying that you would come to a place where God would grant you that you would understand the riches of his glory. Now, Paul's prayers, I want you to also see this. Paul's prayers, bottom line is really what he wants us to know, Vic, is this. That I, Paul's saying, I want you to know and experience what I know and what I experience. He's, he's letting us into what's changed his life. He's letting us into how does he operate and live even in the midst of adversities. And he's saying, grant them. Grant them according to, according to the riches of his glory. That this, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Not your outer man, your inner man. Peter talks about this. He goes, he goes God is more concerned with the hidden man of the heart. God is more concerned what's going on in you than what you do. We're so often, we're so often are trying to please people, put on a show of people, and, and we're so worried about, we're so taken in by our doing that we just need to come to a place where we understand who we be. We need to be more about our, who we are, what's our being than we are what our doing is. Because if you take care of your being, then your doing will follow. And so often Christianity and religion has tried to clean up, clean up behavior instead of just taking care of, of, of who's on the, taking care of this spirit man that's on the inside of you. That's good. And like I said, when you put everything in the world at a greater prominence than you put God, then you're constantly going to di- disappoint yourself and you're constantly going to go, try to do everything that the world is doing. But we're called to live from the outside in. And what is he saying? That you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I don't know about you, but I need his influence in my life every day. You know, I, I, you ever been those times where, you know, that, that, that old song... Mama said there'd be days like this. <laughs> Mama said there'd be days like this. We face things. We go through things. Our world faces things. We, we, we can face challenges. But what we have to understand is that even though I might face challenges, I have to understand that I have, he's given me his spirit. And Paul's prayer is, is that grant unto them, according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with all might, might in your inner man. 
See, if you get your inner man strong, nothing can defeat you. It doesn't matter what someone says to you. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. No, if you, once, you, once, you, once you make the, your spirit man is strong, it doesn't matter what report's given. It doesn't matter what you might be facing. It doesn't matter what your current finances look like. It doesn't matter if someone's trying to talk you out of your purpose, your calling, your destiny. It doesn't matter. Why? Because, because your spirit man is strong. And see, this is all about being fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Being strengthened with all might in your inner man. Hallelujah. That you would be strong. My prayer for you is that you would be strong. That you would have might in your inner man. Hallelujah. That Christ. That Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. Hallelujah. That Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Thank you, Father. Grounded. Grounded. That's, that's fixed. If you're grounded, it means you're settled. Amplified says here, may Christ through your faith actually dwell. Settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. And when it's talking about heart here, it's not talking about your blood pump. And it's not talking about your mind. It comes from a Greek word called suke. And it means really, it does deal with your mind, but it's suke. It means really the center of who you are. And it's really, if you look at Luke 2.22, when it tells us about the first grading commandment, what, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when, when it's talking about this word, your heart here, it's talking about, it's talking about the same thing, that, that you would be settled and grounded in this love in all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, that you have such an understanding and a revelation and you're grounded in this love that it affects every aspect of your life and every aspect of your being. Amen. We need to be at a place where no one can talk us out of the love of God that he has for us. Don't let anyone talk you out of the fact that God loves you. Don't everyone talk you out of the fact that, that, you, that, that God doesn't love you anymore because of what you've done in the past. The prayer is that we would be strengthened with might by his spirit, by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. And that we would be rooted and grounded in this love. And then it says that we would comprehend with all the saints, that we would understand with all the saints, what the lengths, the depths and the heights of that love. Then it says this, and to know, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Be convinced of his love for you. Be fixed on his unlimited supply. Be fixed, settled, grounded in this love. Comprehend. Comprehend. I had a Bible school teacher years ago, and, and I was at a place where, you know, I, of, we, we have a, can, can I have a mindset of, 
you know, as word of faith people that I've got to build my faith. I've got to build my faith. I've got to build my faith. And we look at building our faith as some sort of formula. Like one plus one equals two. That that if I if I just read enough Bible, then I'll get faith. Uh, or if I if I if I do this, if I say this this many times, then this is what's going to happen. But faith isn't a life of faith isn't mechanical. A life of faith is relational. It's not because see you can you can know I mean and you can you can know all sorts of things I you know you can you can quote to me all the different books that you you might have read but the thing is do you know him and and so so we have this aspect and I had a Bible instructor that taught me this he goes he goes you don't have a lack of faith what ha- what you have is you have a lack of understanding of God's love for you. Because everything in your life of faith is going to be first established on God's love for you. Everything is going to be birthed out of that. Because everything else is going to be works trying to get something. Well, I need enough faith for prosperity. I need enough faith for healing. I need enough faith for this. I need enough faith for this. And there, there's a lot of principles in the word. I'm not, I'm not t- accounting principles of faith or laws of faith. But it has to be established upon this relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because when, when you know that he loves you, then, then trying, then, then trying to believe that he wants to heal you is out of, it doesn't matter anymore. Because well, I know he loves me, so therefore I know he wants to heal me. Because I know he loves me, I know he wants to prosper me. It's, it's part of his nature, it's part of his character, it's part of knowing him. In the scripture, the prayer here is that we would be grounded in the love of God. That we would comprehend with all the saints the lengths, the depths, and the heights of that love. And to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Meaning, meaning this, this love is something your natural mind totally can't wrap your head around. And once you, get, once you think that you understand this love, Ken, there's more to it. There's, there's, there's more to it. Just when you think you've understood everything there is about God, you see a little bit more of his nature and a little bit more of his character. That you might know the love of Christ. This word know, that you might know the love of Christ, it's a relational word. And what I'm dealing with this morning is, 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 is fellowship. We have to come to a place where we understand what fellowship is. I know it's a real Christianese word, fellowship. Did you go to that fellowship, brother? <laughs> come, come to my house and we can fellowship. It's not a word we really, you know, it's kind of outdated, you know. But, but if you put it this way, to know. Jesus says it this way in John 17, I think verse 2 or verse 3. He says, he says that... That eternal life is this. Eternal life is this. Now, before you... Eternal life doesn't mean heaven. Eternal life means the God kind of life perpetual. So, eternal life is this. To understand God, to understand God, to get a hold of God, to understand who God really is, 
to, to know, to know the one true living God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. It's, it's about knowing him. It's relational. The word know is the strongest, the strongest word in this, in the Greek for the word know is where we get our English word intercourse from. It's not a dirty word. It's a, it means the intermingling of two lives. And so when we talk about knowing God, we're talking about being intermingled with God. We're talking about being connected with God. And this is what the Apostle Paul's prayer is. He goes, I want you to be strengthened with all might in your inner man, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith, that you would know the love of God that passes knowledge, that you would know the love of God, that you would be intimately acquainted with the love of God. That you would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And then it says this in verse 19 of Ephesians 3. I'm kind of just talking out of my heart this morning. It says that you, that you might know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That you might be filled. With all the fullness of God. What would the fullness of God look like? But this is the prayer. This is what this is what Paul and as I said before, Paul was wanting us to know what he knows. Paul, Tommy, is wanting us to experience what he experienced. He's not reaching. He's not writing to us some sort of religious doctrine to abide by. He's wanting us to give us some insight into his fellowship. He's wanting to give us some insight in, in his relationship with God, his, his life with God, his, his pursuit after God. And he's saying, when you know this love and you know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, what's going to happen is you're now going to be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I mean, for chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let me make this statement. What you are fixed on is what you fellowship with. What you fix on, you ever heard the word? You're just fixated on that. Or you're just, you you are consumed with that. So what you are fixed on, what you give your attention to, is what you're fixed on. Now let me read this. First Corinthians, and I could, I love the first nine verses of First Corinthians chapter 1, but let's look at verse 9 for the sake of time. It says, God is faithful Amen. by whom you were called unto, unto the fellowship of of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You were called. You were called. Now, this is another letter, letter from the Apostle Paul. And what is it? It's giving us insight into what he knows. What he's experienced in his personal relationship with the Father. In his personal being intermingled with God. In his 
prayer time, what he's learned on studying the, 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 the Torah, studying the, the prophets of old and studying the writings of David, studying about things in history. The, this is he's giving us some insight into what he knows. And he makes the statement. He says, God is faithful. Faithful is a relational word. He's faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Amplified says this, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on. By him, you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now see this. So you were called into this life connected to Jesus. You know, last week we talked about all the, we talked, not all of them, but we talked about some scriptures about being in him. In him, we've been chosen. In him, we've been accepted in, into the beloved. In him, we have redemption. In him, he's made us righteous. It's in this relation, relationship. So being fixed on Christ, unlimited supply. God desires a living, breathing, continual relationship with each one of us. And you've been called into this fellowship. Now, as I said before, this word fellowship in, in the New Testament, for the most part, means the intermingling of two lives. It means companionship. But in this particular word, in this particular word fellowship, there's another aspect to it in the Greek. And it means this. It means to share what one has. To share what one has. So not only am I intermingled, not only am I in, in connected to, but now because of that connection, I now share what they have. Annette, come here for a moment. Annette and I, of course, we're married. And, of course, we're married. If you didn't know, this is my wife. Isn't she beautiful? Amen. I appreciate her. And so the thing is, is, is I know her better than you know her. She knows me better than you know me. And, and not only that, but as we came together, not only, not only that, but we, we, we are partakers of of the grace that's on each one of our lives. Amen. When we became married, we became a new creation. Amen. You know, God God correlates marriage to to marriage to the same aspect of being born again. Amen. So when you got married, it's not it's not two lives coming together and living under one roof. When you came to got get married, you all of a sudden now became something that never before existed. Yeah. It was Justin. It was Annette. Now we're. J and A. I want to try to <laughs> Jeanette or <laughs> but but the point is 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 we we share things, and so when you got connected to Jesus, you're no longer your own. But Galatians tells us you've been bought with a price. You're no longer your own. 
And so therefore, because I have fellowship and I've been called into this fellowship with, with my, my heavenly father and with, with Jesus, what now, how is I can now receive what that relationship was meant to produce in my life. There was things that I couldn't do by myself, but yet when, when I got married to Annette, now there's some things I, you know what? I preached better after I got married to her. I think I look better after I married Annette. She makes me look good. But, but the point is, is, is when this relationship, this fellowship with the father is now that I'm fellowshipping with him, I now get to share in what he has. So when we talk about being strengthened with all might in the inner, in our inner man, it's that that might isn't my might. That might is his might. That strength is his strength. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, So it's sharing. It's sharing what one has. What you fellowship is what you, what you, what you're felling, fellowshipping with is what you are sharing or what you're receiving from someone else. You can only get what they have. If you are, all you do is fellowship with darkness, then all you can get is darkness. If all you do is fellowship with negative people, That's the only thing you can get from them. If all you do is fellowship with people that are fearful, then that's all that you can get from them. What you're fixed on, what you fellowship with is, is the only, the fruit of a relationship. If all you do is focus on what you don't have and all the mistakes that you made in your life, if all you do is focus and fixed on and hang around with people that, that are just barely getting by, that have no vision and have no purpose for their life, then that's all that you'll ever be able to receive from that relationship. Edwin Lewis Cole, uh, amazing, amazing leader and teacher on marriage. And um, I encourage you, go online and listen to some, some of this stuff, Edwin Lewis Cole. But he, I, he has a book called The Irresistible Husband. And he makes a statement in there. And he, said, he says this about himself. He goes, as long as I kept hanging out with my old friends, I just kept hanging. So what are you fixed on? What relationships are taking up the most of your time? Because the thing is, is with that fellowship, you can only receive what they have. Hurt people, hurt people. You've heard that statement? Now, I'm not saying that you, you don't have worldly friends or you, you, you stick your head in the sand and, and you're not, you're not self, I'm not talking about being self-righteous. And I'm talking about what relationships are feeding your life. I have all sorts of friends, all different types of backgrounds. But the thing is, is I, but I'm, I'm selective of who I allow to, who I really fellowship with. Because I understand what I'm connected to is what's going to feed my life. And we have to make sure we are fixed on the right things. That we're fellowshipping with the right things. Jesus made a statement in John chapter 7. In verse 37 and 38, I believe it is. And he said this. He said, come unto me. No, he says this. He says, all that are thirsty, come unto me and drink. All that are thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. Now, we know he's not referring to natural water. 
He's talking about being spiritually dry. All that are thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. Why would people in that audience, so to speak, be thirsty? Because they weren't hanging out. They weren't fellowshipping with anything that had the ability to give them what they needed. Meaning they were thirsty because they weren't hanging out with a supply that would quench their thirst. So ultimately, the, the recognizing of if you're thirsty, the thing is, is you aren't fellowshipping out, fellowshipping with the very thing that can give you the water you need. But yet Jesus is saying, come to all that are thirsty, let them what? Come unto me. This is, come unto me. This is relational. Meaning if, if you are dry in your life, if you're weary in your life, you are, you are, you are overwhelmed in your life, then Jesus is saying, come, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, he says, he, he says this, all that, are, all that are burdened, all that are heavy laden, he says, come unto me and what I will give you rest. I will give you rest. All that are burdened, all that are overwhelmed, come unto me and I will give you rest. And he says what? He goes, why? Because my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Meaning, meaning you've been going to places and as you've gone to those places and you've been fixated and you've been fixed and been fellowshipping with the wrong things, it's brought burden in your life. It's brought confusion in your life. It's brought, it's brought, um, uh, uh, it's brought distraction in your life. It's brought deception in your life. But Jesus is saying, hey, you, why are you burdened? Why are you burdened? Because you're fellowshipping in the wrong thing. But hey, come to me. Come to me, Brenda. Fellowship with me. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we, we step into this calling of fellowship and we step into this calling of relationship, then what happens is now we share in what they have. Let's go to 1 John. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Probably by the time I get done this morning, you'll do that. Another scripture? <laughs> I love the word. First John chapter one, verse one says, read the amplified says, we are writing about the word of life in whom who exist in him who existed from the beginning, whom we heard, whom we had seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and we've touched with our own hands. Now, this is relation, relationship, right? This is fellowship. He, he, John's writing, he's saying, I'm, I'm writing about this word of life, which he's talking about Jesus. And he wants us to know that he existed from the beginning. And he says this, whom? This, this word of life, this Jesus. And he says this, who I have heard, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we gazed upon for ourselves and we touched with our own hands. 
So these aren't, these aren't novices. These, these are people that are speaking from firsthand experience. We're not talking, we're not, someone's not giving us some sort of religious ideas about something. Someone's not giving, it's not some sort of professor saying it could have been this or it could have been that. No, this is someone that has personal fellowship. This is someone that, that has seen things, they gazed upon, they heard, and they actually touched him. So this, this is someone that we can, we can say, hey, hey, I need to listen to what this guy's about to say. Because they have experience. I don't, I don't want someone to preach to me about what their theories could be about God. I want someone to preach me, to me about what they know about God. I don't want to deliver something to you, preach to you, some sort of religious dogma. I want you to preach something to you that's living in my life. Something that, that I have walked out or something that I am walking out. I mean, it's interesting. People listen to, to, to people in, in, that will try to get on, get on Christianity and get on religion and try to push it down and, and say all those sort of things, but they've never had an experience with him. You know, the, you know, the Apostle Paul used to do that too, but until he got knocked off his donkey. And I believe there's a lot of people in our world today about to get knocked off their donkey. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 2, and the life, an aspect of his being was revealed and was made manifest and demonstrated. And we saw as eyewitnesses and were testifying to and were declaring to you the life, the eternal life in him who existed with the Father and who actually was made visible and revealed to us as his followers. See, this is all personal. This is relational. Verse 3, what we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you. So that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship. Meaning, I'm sharing my personal experience with you guys. Man, this is, this is John. The one in whom Jesus loved. The one that Jesus trusted with his, with his mother when he was on the cross. And he said, take care of her. Here he is towards the end of his life. And, and here he is and he said, I've got to share my experience. I've got to share what I know. I need to share with you my fellowship. And he goes, he goes this, what we have seen in ourselves heard, we're telling you. Not so we can brag about, hey, I walk with Jesus. How about you? I saw Jesus. How about you? I took care of Jesus' mother. How about you? No, it had, had nothing to do with some sort of status or position. It had everything to do to bring us into this relationship. Hey, go a little deeper. Come a little farther. And I'm sharing these things with you because so that you can realize and you can enjoy this same fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And I love how the Amplified says this. And this fellowship that we have, this fellowship that we have, and I love how it says it this way, which is a distinguishing mark of a Christian. 
Your distinguishing mark of a Christian isn't your bumper sticker, nor it is your, your fish sign on the back of your car. No, what makes you distinguished is your relationship. And people will see, just like they did with the disciples in the book of Acts, we could tell that they've been with Jesus. Thank you, Father. This distinguishing mark of a Christian is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This fellowship. I want you to have this fellowship. Now look at verse 4. And we are now writing these things to you so that our joy... And we are now writing these things to you so that our joy in seeing you included may be full. Meaning, I'm writing this. He's saying, I'm writing this so you can... So I'm writing this... Why? Because it's going to bring me joy when you know what I know. And then he says this. Thank you, Father. And your joy may be complete. I'm writing this so my joy can be complete, but I'm writing this, more importantly, so your joy, your joy can be complete. If you don't have joy... In your life, then you are fixated on the wrong thing. Joy is not a product of having no trouble. Joy is a spiritual force. Joy isn't happiness. See, be strengthened with all might in your inner man. Now, I could go into all the different things this might is. But what I want you to understand for right now is I want you to see that this being strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man is really joy. Hallelujah. Joy. What the joy of the Lord... Is what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. But if you're not hanging out with the Lord, then most likely you don't have joy. If you're not fixed on Christ, then you are not going to have joy. <laughs> You see, this whole aspect of fellowship that John's writing here, he goes, I'm writing this so my joy can be complete, but also that your joy can be complete. That your joy can operate at optimum capacity. That your joy can operate at a whole nother level. What are you fixed on? What are you fixed on? Because I guarantee if you're fixed on the world, you are not going to have joy. Now, you could be happy for a moment. You may be have a good time for a moment. You, you may be excited for a moment. But I'm telling you, it's not going to last. But when you're fixed on him, it doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're going through. Your joy will be complete. Yeah. Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 16. 
Thank you, Father. You are just listening so intently, right? I was like, look around. Is anyone like asleep? Yeah, no. John chapter 16, verse 22. He goes, and you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. You have sorrow. Why are they sorrowful? Because Jesus is talking about that he's got to go away. They're, they're fixated. They're fixed on the aspect of Jesus dying. And because they're focused on Jesus being gone, they have sorrow. And you now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again. I mean, right now you have sorrow, but I'm going to see you again. And your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man takes from you. Now, what is he saying? He's saying right now you're sorrowful. Why? Because, because you're not focusing and you have the wrong perspective. But what I want you to see is I'm going to see you again. And when I see you again, you're going to rejoice. And that joy, no man can take it from you. So what he's saying, when you understand relationship with me, and you understand relationship with, 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 with me. When you're fixed on Christ, when you're fixed on me, he is saying you're going to rejoice and what your joy is going to be full. Why? Why? Because you're going to see me. Why? What is that? Relationship. Relationship. Verse 24 says, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Asking is a relationship word. Unless you just talk to yourself. (laughs) Some of you just... It's relational. I I ask, why? Because there's, there's another party involved. And it says, right now, you haven't asked anything in my name, but when you ask, it says what? Your joy is going to be full. Why? Because you're focused and fixed on relationship. Two more scriptures. Psalms 16. And I'll close with this, I promise. Psalm 16. Hallelujah. When I'm fixed on Christ's unlimited supply, I will have joy. Joy. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 16. Verse 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You will show me the path of life. If someone's going to show you something, that means there has to be a relationship with that person. I'm going to show you the path of life. I'm going to show you. You will show me the path of life. There has to be a relationship if this is going to, someone's going to show me the path of life. And it tells me this, in, the, in thy presence is fullness of joy. In my presence is fullness of joy. In my presence is fullness of joy. 
Hallelujah. I love being around my wife. I love being around my son, our, our other, other three children as well. And, it, and, it's, and the thing is, is, is seeing them, it's, it's like in, it's, it's comfortable, it's relational, it's, it's fellowship. And what happens, there's a natural joy. But yet here he says, in my presence is fullness, fullness of joy. What would the fullness of joy be like? Let me close with this. Psalms 4. Verse 6 says, Many say, oh, that we might see some good. Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy and rejoicing in my heart than they know when their wheat and their new wine have yielded abundantly. Let me read that again. The King James says this. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Thou hast put more gladness in my heart, more than in the time than the corn and their wine increased. Lift up the light of your countenance. Meaning, this is all about presence. This is all about his presence. And it says, when he lifts up the light of his countenance, I'm going to have gladness and I'm going to have joy more than someone that just reaped a huge harvest. All what? Because of the light of his countenance. Because of his presence in my life. The message says this. Why is everyone so hungry for more? More, more, they say, more, more. I have God's more than enough. More joy in one ordinary day than they get all their shopping sprees. At day's end, I'm ready for sound sleep. For you, God, have put my life back together. The passion says this. Lord, prove them wrong when they say God can't help you. Let the light of your radiant face break through and shine upon us. The intense pleasure you give surpasses the gladness of harvest time. Even more than when the harvesters gaze upon the ripened grain when their new wine overflows. Now because of you, Lord, I will lie down in peace and sleep comes at once. For no matter what happens, I will be unafraid. Hallelujah. All because what? The light of his countenance. Because of my fellowship with him, I have joy. And he makes me lie down and sleep. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you that it strengthens us. It equips us. And it empowers us. I thank you this morning, Lord, that, that we are fixed on your unlimited supply. I thank you for every person at the sound of my voice this morning. That, that you, play, you are placing within them a hunger for fellowship. A hunger for relationship. I thank you that every single one of us are going up higher in our lives. 
I thank you that we will know that we will be strengthened with all might in our inner man because we have fellowship with you. I thank you for explosive joy. I thank you for explosive joy over this house, explosive joy over our homes, over our families, over our children. I thank you for explosive joy. I thank you that this this week will be a week marked by explosive joy in each one of our lives. I thank you that each each night this week, I thank you that we will be able to lie down and we will have sweet sleep, Father, because we are fixed on your unlimited supply. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give them a shout of praise. Amen, Pastor Phil.